Welcome listeners to episode 29 of the Running Guy podcast, where I aim to provide informative content and interviews with elite athletes and health professionals from around the world, like in today's episode, where I'm chatting to a Kiwi runner, currently living and working abroad in London. He's a 210 guy. Welcome to the Running Guy podcast, Malcolm Hicks. How you going, mate? Thanks, Eston. Yeah, good, good, thank you. You just relocated in uh, in London, is that correct? Uh, yes, I've I've been in London uh, with my wife Alana for uh, about two and a half years now, uh, and we just relocated from fairly central uh, on the east side, East London, uh, to Teddington, which is, I guess you can still say it's in London, but it's um it's a wee way from the city, so down southwest, um, so close to close to Bushy Park um, and Richmond Park, which are kind of the two mecca running locations of London. Bushy yeah, Park, so that, that's famous for the start of park run, isn't it? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it's it's Teddington is and, okay. and Bushy Park are kind of the, the the hot spots of running in London. Um, you've got St Mary's University, which is nearby, and that's that's one of the two big sports universities. Yeah. Um, so they have a lot of athletes on scholarship, and um, I mean your your Aussie listeners will probably recognise Teddington from um, where the the Melbourne Track Club base themselves in in the summer. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a nice little town. Um, Feeling much like living in the suburbs, which is a bit of a change for me. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's brilliant, and we're we're enjoying it. Okay, and and you're obviously working nearby. My wife and I both work in the city, right. um, but we've been working from home since uh, the beginning of March. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, being able to well, I've uh, I, I'm not going to be back in the office for for a long time now. Uh, yeah. So we decided to to make the move out, which um, I guess part of previously living relatively central is is. Both our offices were on the east side of the city, so I used to run commute um, back and forth into the city, and that kind of, you know, was was only 20 minutes from home to the office. Um, but you know, it was the tail end of my morning run, and um, you know, the start of my evening run getting home. So uh, now we don't need to be near the office, and um, and I, I can avoid any sort of commute because I, I just wouldn't wouldn't bother if it was uh you know it, it involved a train a tube and a bus yeah, which okay. is most people's london commutes so yeah it's uh being able to work from home has kind of allowed us the ability to, to move further afield and, and be based somewhere a bit more um well a nicer place to train really yeah yeah so so, so what is that work mm-hmm. and and do you have flexibility on your hours uh, yeah, I'm I'm an engineer, um, so I work for it. We we do design, um, so I work for a consultancy in the city. Uh, and I mean, I, I wouldn't say particularly flexible. <laughs> um, I've recently cut hours down to four days, um, so I have Wednesdays off, which is typically like a, a big workout, big marathon workout day. Uh, so that that's been really nice. And yeah, I mean, around that, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, just that's just two easy runs for me. Um, so, you know, it, it's not too hard fitting it around work. Friday morning is usually a workout before work, but, uh, yeah, so it, I mean, it works. Uh, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it's ideal. It's busy, but you know, I've, I've managed to, to, to fit both running and, and working, uh, so far. And it kind of, I enjoy the balance it gives me. It takes my mind off running and, um, yeah, gives me, uh, gives me something else to balance out the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously the days are going to get shorter and colder over there, with the opposite of here, which is great for us. But uh, <laughs> I saw I saw an Instagram account um, back in, I guess it was August, a couple of months ago, some training in St. Moritz. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I guess part of now being a um, a full time work from homer, um, 
we were able to, to relocate for, for a couple of months um, to Europe. We'd been in, we'd been in lockdown in London. Um, it was, it was pretty rough. Um, you know, we, I was based fairly centrally and, you know, being in the middle of a big city in, in lockdown is, is not particularly nice. Um, so, you know, we were working from home in our small one bedroom apartment, uh, which was never made for two people to have a home office in as well. And we just needed a break. So we packed up our apartment, got rid of that, um, put everything in storage and went to St. Moritz for uh, maybe two months. Mm. Um, and travel in Europe was opening up at the time. Um, so, you know, it was, it was relatively safe. Um, and yeah, I guess the, the fact we stayed in Europe instead of kind of rushing back to New Zealand at the start of it, um, allowed us that opportunity, uh, which was good. And, and it's something that I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to become familiar with St. Moritz. I hadn't been before, um, because I'll, I'll be using it in my Tokyo buildup all going to plan. Um, so yeah, we, we got over there. Um, it was, it was great. We just did our normal work from home. Um, and yeah, got, got some amazing training and over there. Yeah. I heard it's beautiful. I um, mean, I've been there on holiday, but I didn't go running around the trails, but apparently it's got pretty much everything a runner would want. Yeah. I mean, you know, for years, everyone said, um, you know, what's your favorite place to run? It's always St. Moritz. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew I was in for something special, but yeah, it, it truly is a, a beautiful place. Um, and you know, with, with still a, the, the COVID situation over here, it really felt like, I mean, we almost forgot about it for the first time in about seven or eight months. Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're up in the mountains. It's a small town. Um, you know, it's it's filthy expensive, so you're not dining out. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the only kind of indoor place we'd ever go is the supermarket. And, um, yeah, you know, all your activities were outdoor. And yeah. uh, they, they look after athletes amazingly. You know, they have, a, they have a fantastic gym, which is just for kind of, you know, elite sports teams and athletes. Um and yeah, they, they look after you really well. They kind of give you a whole lot of perks and benefits if you're if you're an elite athlete. Uh, so yeah, they, they've they've really created a, a high altitude training hub there, which is is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, you're a two ten guy, mate. They should be opening the door for you as you're approaching. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> well, a, a few more doors are opening these days. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good, mate. So it should. I saw there, if I can get you to explain that you went to Italy for two weeks to avoid the um, quarantining in London. How, how does that work? Is that, is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Um, on, so I guess when, when we headed to Switzerland, we thought, well, Switzerland has, has dealt with COVID really well this entire time. Um, so, you know, we thought it was a, a fairly safe uh, place to go. You know, a few people were sneaking holidays to, to Spain and Italy, which, you know, had kind of uh, had, a, had a rough start um, early on in COVID. Um, but it turns out there was a few clusters and, and outbreaks in, in Zurich and Geneva. Um, so then the whole of Switzerland went on the quarantine list, which meant you had to quarantine when you returned to the UK. Uh, it, it wasn't a full-on hotel quarantine. You know, there was some there was some reasonable fines if you were caught breaking it. They check up on you, etc. So you're supposed to quarantine at home. So that actually meant no leaving the house. You know, for for training. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Switzerland was on the on the quarantine list, um, but it turns out Italy wasn't. Um, so they actually, you know, um, until recently, um, once once their their you know main peak um, died down, they they kept their numbers really low, um, you know, all through the summer. So we just essentially popped over the border because Saint Moritz is really close to Italy. So we just popped down to a small town called Colico, 
in on Lake Como, uh, and yeah, had had two weeks there while we well did our essentially our, our, our quarantine on the way home. Which I mean, I don't think anyone's going to c- complain with uh, two weeks in Italy on on Lake Como. Yeah, um, so like, like yeah, Como it was, it was better than four walls <laughs> in the ceiling, mate. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So some some beautiful running. Um, Lots of pizza, lots of gelato, and yeah, live live the little Italian life for a couple of weeks, and then and then headed home. Um, I mean, you know, things were it was it was late spring. Um, things were kind of you know starting to pick up COVID wise. Um, we knew winter was coming, so we we thought it was time to get back to uh, to the UK and and get set up for the winter because I mean, as as we found out now, you know, everyone was heading towards lockdown again. The the numbers were all increasing, so we we knew we had to get home and. And, and get settled again for the winter. All right, mate. Let's um let's run through your personal best, and if you can just sort of give us some some details or stories or anything you remember about these events. Kicking off at 800 meters, 152.01 in Belgium, July 2011. Yep, yep. That was uh, in Liège, I think. And myself and Hayden McLaren, another Kiwi, uh, just found a small meet and, and went out and and had a fun time. I think that was maybe the first time I, I came over to Europe and did some racing. So yeah, definitely not not an 800 guy, um, but I mean, still a fun race and a memorable one. 1500, 342.67 uh, over here, Albert Park, Melbourne. Yeah, April 2013. So 342s, not too bad. Yeah, yeah, no, that was. I've I've run 342 a few times. Um, I, I I never managed to crack that 340 barrier, um, which was you know I thought I was the 1500 guy for a long time. But I, I think I ran uh, 342 and sub four um, half a dozen times. Uh, but that was yeah Melbourne. No, that was that was Albert Park. I think the first time I ran 342 was at the Olympic Park. So it must have been the last year that racing was at Olympic Park in Melbourne. Okay. Um, so yeah, Melbourne's delivered a, a couple of good times for me. Yeah, yeah. Where would you have finished in that race with the 342? Ah. Uh, I can definitely remember the first time at, at Olympic Park, yeah. which must have been about 2011, and that was I was second to last. Uh, <laughs> there was there was a lot of people in the race. It, it was the year it was the year that Kiprop was there, Nick Willis was there, Carlos Birmingham, I think Alan Webb, Will Lear, um, they were all in the 1500, and. Then it was the year that like Bernard Legat was in the 5K, Rudisha was in the 800. Okay. Um, amazing, yeah. So I, I think I, I went from a 344 to a 342 that day, so big PB. Second to last, I was throwing up for about half an hour, trying to trying, <laughs> trying to warm down around the track afterwards. It was, uh, but yeah, it was it was a that that was a special one. I, I think I remember I got a photo with Bernard Legat and and Rudisha afterwards so you know for, for a young track runner that was um and you know competing at that level with you know Olympic gold medalists in the race and um yeah that that was that was a special one yeah no great memories yeah one mile sub four there 359.87 Wanganui 2012 over there in New Zealand yes just got yes. under mate. Uh, that yep no that was that was again a memorable one I think there was maybe five of us that went sub four that day so and and I think it was the first time for an, a fellow Kiwi Hamish Carson as well, and yeah. So we had Nick Willis, myself, Hamish Carson, and then a couple of Nick's uh, American training partners. So yeah, that that was that was a special race, especially to be done in Wanganui, where I'm you know world records have been set in the mile and, and has really a a, a a long history with miling in New Zealand. 
How many, how many attempts did you have at the one mile, like a proper one mile? Uh, I, I didn't run many. Yeah. Um, I think I've, I think I ran 401, four flat. Uh, they were in Europe potentially. It's a race in Ireland that, that runs a mile regularly. Um, but I think in New Zealand, I only ran once, maybe twice over yeah. the mile. So, do they give you a special trophy for a sub four mile, mate? Like <laughs> something up on the mantelpiece? Uh, no. No. I don't think anything. <laughs> no, I, I think they. I think they tried to. Um, I think they maybe made some. You know, the the, the small caps like mm. the. Uh, you know, the, the, the retro, the, the ones that, you know, cricketers wear. And yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think they made some of those, but I never got my hands on one because I've uh, well, I've, I've been away for a few years. So I, yeah. I need to chase up on that. But I, I think they did do a, like a little uh, memorabilia yeah, cap yeah. For, for a few of the sub four milers at just at that, uh, at Cook's Garden. Yeah, in, gotcha. uh, Cool. 3,000 metres, 758.58, Wellington, January 2013. Yep. Wellington is uh, where we always have the New Zealand 3K champs. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that was New Zealand champs. Um, I think I was second and third a couple of times there. But, you know, it's, it's always a good race. It's it's always windy in Wellington. Um, and it's always a championship 3K, so it's never, you know, really on from the start. It's it's more championship racing. Um, but, yeah, I've run, run well a few times there, and they, they always put on a great meet. Would that be an, an evening meet or during the day? Do I do it like a special evening under lights for that for that race? Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. No, they do. Yeah, so it's it's an evening race, um, and and they you know they they uh, they always work it around the athletes and um and yeah put put on a good event. It's it's not the uh, you know hot mid afternoon mm. kind of old school club racing scenario. All right, five thousand meters, thirteen thirty seven thirty one in Belgium, two thousand seventeen. That's moving. Yeah. That was in Hosden in uh, in Belgium, which has delivered me two PBs um, over the 5K. It, it's a uh, it's a famous 5K meet, and it, yeah, it's, it's fast racing uh, over the five, and everyone kind of battles to get in the A race there. Um, I think that that would have been the B race that year, um, which I've I've run a couple of times, but that was my last race on the track. Okay. Um, so finished finished with a with a small PB. It was a horrific night of torrential rain but yeah no it was it was great I, I didn't realize it would be my last race on the track at the time um but i guess yeah looking back i'm, I'm kind of happy that i that i finished on that um on that note definitely yeah. no for sure that's a great time um 10,000 yeah. meters zadapec 28 58 90 in 2015 finishing in fifth spot was that your first yeah i assume that's your first sub 29 uh, it was. Yep, yep that, that's the only one. Um, so I think I've only run two on the. I think I've run two on the track. Um, so yeah, the the ten k is. I think that's one race I have a bit of unfinished business on. So I, I I might be stepping back on the track. Hopefully, if I can kind of you know stay healthy enough and sure. <laughs> the, the the track the track beats me up uh, pretty pretty hard uh, these days. So yeah, I, I haven't been on it much. Um, the last couple of years, but yeah, I, I really would like to to get back and and have a crack at something something a bit quicker over the 10k, definitely. Yeah, no, that's a good time. I mean, without getting into a discussion about shoes, maybe maybe the new um the the, the new spikes may may not beat your legs around as much. Hopefully, so uh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, I'll definitely try them on. Five k on the road. I mean, IAAF always have this. Uh, I should call them World Athletics now. Um, always have this Noosa Bolt. It must be the only road race 5k that they put on there. On their schedule, so they got you down there 14-12 in 2013. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that is the only fight I've run on the road. But that that's the only time I've been to Noosa. Um, sure. But yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's it a is, fantastic it is fun event. Weekend, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, great, great crowd. Some tight corners on that course, but mm. you know it, it makes for fun racing. Yeah, so that that was that was a great time. Love to try and go back. I, I'll uh, I'll have to try and run 14, 14 12 again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a great place to hang out, isn't it? That's for sure. Yeah, Mate, absolutely. Ten k twenty nine twenty eight on the goalie two thousand and fifteen. Yes, that was. Who did I get out kicked by? Marty Dent. Mm, Marty. Eh? Um, yeah. He. Marty, Marty, he sat on me for a very long time, mm. uh, <laughs> and uh, at the time I was thinking, who the, this old guy is out kicking me with about 500 meters to go, I couldn't mm. believe it, mm. um, but he, he made a good move, kind of, uh, I think you, with a, maybe less than a K to go, you, you, you come off a bridge and hang a left back onto the main road, um, and, and it's a little rise, and he just made it perfect move around there and just left me and I, I, I could never get it back um so yeah I mean that was again that was a fun race um he he taught me he, he gave me a lesson in racing that day I think um but yeah that, that was it was a fun time I haven't actually run many many 10 days on, on the road um so yeah again that's um definitely a, a distance on the road I'd like to have another decent crack at half marathon 65 39 over there in Christchurch May 2015 uh yes I've, I've run not much faster uh in in the netherlands i ran a 64 25 which i don't think got picked up on the okay. iwf um but yeah that one's that one's um relatively well out of date i i again just haven't haven't managed to kind of line up in a half marathon um mm. in the last few years when i've been healthy and fit so um yeah that one is definitely hopefully on the chopping block early next year when we're um when we're back into some racing it's it's actually not much faster than the second half of my last marathon so uh yeah i think there's i think there's um fair to say there's some improvement to be made there and the marathon mate the big one um we'll go more into detail about this um soon but um yeah 21004 21004 in seville february this year mate um that's awesome yeah yeah no it was um i think officially it's 21105 oh, just take to not claim any uh, not claim <laughs> <laughs> it's it's on world athletics is 04 mate i don't know what the confusion is yeah 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 i, I, I don't know what the confusion is um but anyway yeah that that was uh, that was february this year in seville um yeah. i mean you know the race of my career really until i run faster it's uh yeah it's it's going to be an incredibly memorable one for me um, you know, it was just one of those days where, where everything came together. Um, and you know, I, I essentially had a, had an unbroken preparation, um, you know, no niggles, no setbacks. Um, I think the you know, the, the only days I had off were I, I returned to New Zealand over the summer for Christmas. Um, and you know, the, the two flights there and, and, and then back were the only, only days I had off running kind of in that, you know, last 12, 14 weeks. Um, so yeah, no, it's, um, that that was a fantastic race for me yeah no look i really want to get more into that soon let's head mm. back to to where it all began mate where, where did you start running were you sort of involved in other sports when you're growing up as well at, at, at a competitive level or yeah definitely um so i mean you, i think you guys call it little a's um you know kids athletics yep. uh in new zealand and in, in auckland where i grew up um i've got two older brothers um so you know i just did everything they did um, and, and mum and dad, they, they were both involved in athletics when they were younger and in a lot of sports. So we played, we played soccer in the winter. We 
played tennis in the summer and, and athletics. Um, those were kind of our main sports. Um, and, you know, I was just, I grew up racing my brothers. So <laughs> I, I don't think there's, um, I don't think there's many, many kids with older siblings that aren't competitive. And which because, part of New yeah, Zealand just, did you, you grow just, up in, sorry? Uh, in Auckland. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, I've, I've kind of been involved in that, that club athletics scene for, you know, through my, um, through my primary school years and, and intermediate and kind of picked up again with the, the Harriers in, in high school. Uh, but yeah, no, I've, I've always been involved in a lot of sport, um, and, and, and athletics from an early age. Did, um, did your older brothers take it as, well, obviously not as far as what you did, but did they continue into a competitive level or was it just more at that age? Uh, no, it was, it was just more at that age. Yep. Um, through high school, definitely they did. I mean, mm. they were, you know, they're, they're both great athletes. Um, and they, they took their soccer a lot further than I did, um, and, and played at a fairly high club level for a while. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm the only one to, um, to carry on as far as I have. So, so you, little A's and, and all that. So you, you've never stopped running, like you never had a couple of years off and played other sports or you've always just kept running? Uh, no, I've, I've definitely had some time off. Um, I, I guess through high school, I, I had, I think that the last couple of years at high school and then maybe first or second year at university, I, I had three surgeries, um, from ankle and foot injuries. Um, so, you know, that, that essentially put, put running on the back burner for a few of those years, which, you know, uh, it, it would have been nice to, to be in the position to, to try and, you know, take a scholarship in the U S or, or that, but I was just, I was broken and, and didn't have any racing on my, um, on my resume. So yeah, that was, that was unfortunate. Um, and those injuries were and, from running. Yes. Yeah. So, um, some stress fractures, uh, a couple of bone spurs taken out and, and things like that. So they were all kind of long winded, um, recoveries. Yeah. Uh, and this is in I your, guess, in your yeah, teens. Yeah. Yep. So late teens, uh, early late teens up to about age 20, 21. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, running, running was definitely on the back burner. I started riding. I did a lot of swimming. I, I raced a couple of triathlons just for fun. Um, but then I, uh, so that, that was kind of through my undergrad in Auckland at university of Auckland, uh, and then moved to university of Canterbury in Christchurch, uh, and, found myself a bit healthier uh yeah got got plugged into the running scene down there just you know kind of bumped into a few guys around the park um and got to know them and yeah got really stuck into the running scene down there and that's when um i guess you know through maybe 21 22 23 uh got back into competitive running again and and started racing on the track which was you know i I think just a, a factor of that environment primarily being down there with with such a great group so you picked up two national championships, 3,000 metres, running 807.94 in Dunedin in 2012, and also in the 5,000 metres, uh, you ran 14.30, in 2014. So I think there was a period of about three or four years where I, I medalled in, in every national championship I raced, which, okay. was, um, which was nice. You know, that was over you know, 1,500, 3K, 5K, 10K in cross country. Um, okay, yeah. So yeah, the I think the biggest surprise for me was the um, the the two cross country titles, um, which yeah I, I think surprised a few other people as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and haven't run any cross country since. It's it's not my favourite okay. event. Um, but yeah, no, it was. Um, I mean, I was I was just fit and strong, and um, yeah. yeah, had had a couple of good races. And the, the senior cross country titles you're talking about? Yes, yes, okay. correct. Wow. So what worlds did you go over to worlds if you're winning the national title? 
Uh, no, no. So that was, I, I guess they were both um, off years, I think. Okay. Um, for, so I, I had a break in between those two years where I ended up having another surgery. Uh, I had a tendon repair on, on my perineal. Um, so I think Worlds were the year that I had off. Um, and then I won the New Zealand Cross titles on, on either side of that. Um, so, yeah, World Cross in New Zealand is um, – uh, it's a self-funded event. Um, it's always very expensive. Uh, so, you know, uh, unless, I guess, if you really want to take the opportunity, that's fantastic. Um, but, you know, it, it's an expensive, uh, it's an expensive trip away. Yeah, I, and, and I, I, from memory, I, I don't think it lined up with the, um, the, the years that I won National Cross. Let's just start talking about your marathoning. Um, now, you've only ran four marathons in total, is that right? Yes. Yep. 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 So four four marathons in maybe the last. I think it's only about the last two years, really. Yeah. Yeah. So I got your first one here debuted in Berlin. So that's September eighteen two sixteen twenty eight. So let's talk about how you prepared for your first marathon. Yeah. Just talk about how that race went and what your expectations were. And yeah, absolutely. I I actually tried to run a marathon. I think about six months before that. Okay. Um, but ended up yeah having a few injury problems so it was um it was a bit of a delayed start um but it was i guess i had recently moved to london um i, I did a lot of my training with a guy paul Martelletti, uh, a kiwi who's been in london for a long time um and he's a he's a 216 marathoner and you know has has run 216 217 multiple times um so yeah that that was fantastic i mean you know there's, there's so much to learn in your first marathon um you know, which I think is is part of the reason I, I really enjoyed the experience um, because, you know, I'd, I'd been, I've raced on the track a long time. I've, I've done quite a bit of racing um, on the roads in the Netherlands when I was living there. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, it, it's just such a different event and, and the, yeah, the, the trial and error and the learning um, that goes into it. So it was, it was great to kind of you know, get that feedback from Paul. Um, you know, I, I knew if I was kind of keeping up with him on long runs and workouts, I was, I was in that range of you know two sixteen, two seventeen. Um, but you know, it, it was it was my first marathon, and and everyone had kind of, well, a, a few people have said, you know, just make sure you enjoy the first one. You know, be be conservative. Um, you know, don't don't kind of, uh, I guess, don't roll the dice too much, you know, just get one under your belt because, um, you know, the, the improvements you can make and, and the learning you make is, is just so important for going forward and, you know, having a bad experience on your first one when, you know, you only get to race a marathon every six months, if, you know, if all going well, uh, it, it's a long time to, to rebuild after a, after a terrible experience. Um, so, you know, I, I went into it relatively conservatively, um, but yeah, re really enjoyed the training. Um, I've, I guess, it, it wasn't too much of a bump in mileage for me. Um, I'd kind of been running around that hundred mile mark, so I think I only really got up to about 170, 175 um, in that in that build up. And yeah, it 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 was it was great. I, I enjoy fast long runs. Um, I like big long workouts. So you know it. Some people find that that type of stuff a real grind, but I was kind of thriving in it. And yeah, picked picked Berlin. My my manager got me a start um, in Berlin, which was great. I you know my half marathon time wasn't that great at the time, and, and uh, managed to get an elite start there. Uh, it was the same year Kipchoge set the world record. I was just thinking. So that, you yeah. know to to be in 
yeah, to, to be in that race was was phenomenal. Um, you know, there was a lot of hype around it, and um, yeah, just to be on the start line. Um, I mean, Berlin's a it's a fantastic race, and um, you know, th- there's a lot of history there, so that that was a lot of fun. Uh, and we had a we had a big group um, early on. I think I was I was running with the lead female group, um, and then got to about halfway and was kind of getting itchy feet. Um, and wanted to kick on and myself and Julian Spence, uh, we kind of peeled away, um, and, and ran most of the second half together. Uh, and yeah, ran a, I think a 92nd negative split, um, there and yeah, had, had a great time. Um, I mean, you know, there, there could have been more in the tank that day, um, you know, with, with a big negative split like that, but, um, I, I wouldn't have changed it. I, I had a great experience. I loved it. And I was just chomping at the bit to, to build up and, and run my second one. Yeah, well, it sounds like the perfect first marathon, like you said, to uh, to go into it with that approach and to get that result and still know you had something left in the tank. Um, a lot of us go into the race with that idea, but it's uh, executing its different story. <laughs> so you've done well there, mate. You, w- you would have been holding weekly volume close to marathon training or did you increase it when you started to do the marathon training you would have always been doing double runs i assume when you're on the track yeah yeah so like i said i i'd been running about 100 miles so i definitely bumped it a little bit um and i guess you know when you when you take out that intensity of you know track work and you know those lactic sessions you can kind of you, your legs can handle uh, well I, I found my legs would handle that the volume relatively easily mm. um so you know i i previously i'd kind of had a a bit of a ceiling at 100 miles where i'd, I'd broken down previously um you know injuries had cropped up and any time I'd, I'd pushed over 100 miles um so you know we we took it quite conservatively in terms of pushing that number you know by the time you're doing a you're doing 35 to 38k every sunday um you know you're doing a 35ks of including a marathon workout on wednesdays um you know that the volume creeps up fairly fairly easily um and then you know I i was commuting in and out of the office so that was doubles you know monday to friday really so yeah it, it the the mileage just came but thankfully i, I found um the, the body was handling it relatively well yeah yeah okay Seven months later, at the end of April, you um, went over and raced Dusseldorf in Germany, running 2 minutes 37 seconds faster, posting a 2.13.51. So between Berlin, September 18, and uh, April 19, did you make any changes in your training to go quicker, or that was just the normal progression that you would expect with more Ks in your leg and a bit more experience? Yeah, correct. I, I think it was, it was just, um, you know, that, that consistency. Um, and, and I had a really, I had a really consistent block and I essentially replicated the same marathon build up. I think, um, you know, think things got pushed a bit further, um, long runs got consistently a bit longer. Yeah. It, I think that was just, you know, building on strength and consistency. Um, so, so not a lot changed. I think, you know, the mileage got pushed again a little bit, um, but that was more of a, uh, a result of probably, you know, better quality workouts and slightly slightly longer or being more comfortable with slightly longer long runs um, um, so nothing nothing conscious really in terms of you know we're going to push the mileage um, yeah. it just kind of it, it came a little bit and was Dusseldorf just the right time of year to do a race or was there any other particular reason you picked that course uh I, I didn't even know Dusseldorf Marathon existed at the time no um, I, I, my, I don't my, either 
Yeah, yeah. They they normally I think it's been a, a bronze label IWF race previously, um, and this year was uh, they they had a few German athletes. It was the German Championships, okay, um, which is quite a big event uh, in in Germany, um, and they the the race was set up so it was the same year as Doha uh, World Champs. So two sixteen was the qualifier. Um, you know, I I just run two sixteen twenty five-ish um the year before so you know i i knew i could i knew i could um i could run under 216 um and and the whole race was set up around getting doha qualifiers um so they had a few german guys they wanted to get qualifiers um and my yeah my, my manager just assured me he said look this if you want to get a qualifier for doha this is the race to do it. it it's not a very fast course um it's very windy um it can be very windy it's along the river um but you know i knew if look if if we've got pacemakers we've got a good group of guys you know all hitting that time um yeah so i I committed to that and and it was it was great i um found myself running running for the win i eventually got second but yeah it was uh we we had a great group of guys a a bunch of us got the time um and you know we, we went through halfway on time probably on track for about 215 30 so you know we were comfortably under um i was feeling really good and pacemakers dropped out and i kind of led the the second half of the race for the majority of it um just trying to break guys just trying to break them one by one um unfortunately one german guy hung on to me and um and i I didn't have it in the last 200 meters so yeah but you know to, to run that time to get the qualifier for world champs um i was i was thrilled um again you know we went in fairly conservatively um you know just knowing that look today's today's about getting a world champs qualifier um just getting that time um so you know made sure i got to halfway on track and then kind of let loose from there i, th- I think again i ran about a 90 second negative split um in in that race so yeah it, you know after that I, I still knew there was there was more in the tank um but you know i was, I was happy just to get the time and, and get confirmed for doha yeah, no, it's it's a great opening two marathons, mate. And uh, let's move on to um on to Doha. So that's five months later. Now that would have been your first black single, is that right? Yeah, correct. That was my first major championship for New Zealand. So we yeah. had this uh, kind of strange black, silver, white singlet um, tier system. So yeah, the, the black singlet events are just I think Com Games, World Champs, and Olympics. Mm, awesome. So yeah, f- first time with the black singlet, which was awesome. Yeah, and uh, there was another Kiwi there with you, is that right? Yes, Caden yep. Shields. Okay. Uh, so he got his qualifier uh, in Gold Coast. Uh, so he had a he had a fairly tight turnaround um, from Gold Coast to to Doha, but Doha was quite late, so I think the the marathon was early October. Um, yeah. Yep. So yeah, it was uh, it, it worked out well for him also. So uh, you ran two seventeen forty five, finishing in twenty ninth spot, first Kiwi home. What sort of prep did you sort of do for for Doha? I mean, obviously there was a heat. Um, there was that strange midnight start. It was running up and down that strip, yeah, on that hot dog course. So, how did, first of all, how did you go about preparing for the heat? How did you go about, you know, preparing for for the conditions that you thought that you're going to have, you know, with that strange with that strange environment to run in? Yeah, it, it was an experience, uh, definitely. And and again, like you know learning the marathons one thing learning a, a hot marathon at midnight is um is another so uh athletics new zealand um they set up uh, a couple of heat camps in cyprus um so they they invested quite heavily um in i guess the, the learnings 
because Tokyo was going to be hot also. Mm. Um, and they, you know, 12 months out, we can get our athletes there, get a whole lot of testing, um, learn how they adapt, um, learn how they uh, how they manage the heat, how they can perform in the heat, um, and then you know come come Tokyo, we're not we're not learning those things in the in the you know six months beforehand. We've already got a whole lot of data, um, and we're we're building on what we learned earlier. So um, yeah, that was great. We had uh, the first camp I think was July August, um, so I went out for about three weeks. Um, and just kind of worked remotely and, and had a training camp out there. Um, I was joined by Cameron Graves, another Kiwi who, um, who came over and, and was a training partner over there with me. So that was, that was awesome. We had, had a great time. Um, and yeah, so we were essentially just, um, you know, every run we were, we were monitoring our, our hydration, nutrition, um, our weights before and after. So seeing what fluid loss was like, um, we had uh, Matthew Mildenhall, our physiologist, was over there. So we were, you know, taking uh, temperature measurements. Um, he was doing kind of perceptive, you know, scales on on uh, dizziness, lightheadedness, nausea, you know, all of these things, which just yeah, very very perceptual and, and quite hard to to monitor. Um, but you know, we were we were, I guess, at the time you didn't make a lot of sense, you know, picking, you know, one to 10 on how dizzy you felt or how nauseous you felt. But, you know, when you actually look back at all those numbers um, and saw the improvements from your first workout to, you know, three weeks in, um, it, it was really interesting. So we were taking um, these little electronic, you can, you can, if you swallow an electronic pill um, and it, it starts recording, it does your internal temperature. Okay. Wow. Um, so we, we use, yeah, we use that a couple of times. Um, it, it's a, it's a disposable pill. Mm. Uh, we use that a couple of times and on, on key long runs. And then we did some, you know, like pre-cooling, uh, procedures. So, um, looked at, you know, the effect on your internal temperature, um, of using pre-cooling before a long run or not using pre-cooling, um, and kind of, I think we did uh, maybe three Sundays where I, I did a steady long run, you know, two, two and a half hours. Um, and we looked at how I performed over those three days and you, you can kind of, you know, track your, I guess, the same way you have a heart rate drift. Um, you'd have like a core temperature drift, you know, it would just creep up and creep up and creep up. And we could look at, you know, how that, how high it got, um, how fast it got up there. Um, and, you know, the, the influence of pre-cooling and the, the delay that that produced in terms of your, your increase in core temperature. So mm. yeah, we, we did quite a lot of, um, quite a lot of testing and, and monitoring while we were there. So what sort uh, of temperatures was, were you running fantastic. in? Uh, so it, it was, I mean, trying to replicate Doha conditions anywhere is quite hard um, uh, because it's, you know, the Middle East is kind of a unique heat. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a bit different to everywhere. So, uh, and also midnight, you wouldn't have the sunlight. So the, the you know, the, the burning skin temperature, yeah. um, which you get under the sun. So we were doing uh, usually about 1030 in the morning was sun was up. So you had the added heat stress, the sun. Um, it was still quite humid because typically it's uh, it's more humid overnight when the sun goes down and then it kind of as the sun comes up it burns off the humidity a bit. So um, the morning was was still hot, so it was you know getting up 36 degrees and you'd still have you know 70 75 percent humidity. So um, I think we were we were targeting you know the the most humid part of the morning, but also the hottest part of the day. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think most most of our long runs were kind of seventy five percent, eighty percent humidity, and about thirty three degrees. Um, but you know, it it would go up a couple of degrees during that time because you're kind of finishing around you know eleven thirty a.m. midday. Um, look, all that data is fantastic, but what did you actually feel yourself, like perception wise, when you're over there training? Could you actually feel your body actually being able to deal with or absorb that the conditions of you know of the heat? Yeah, all, all I have to remember back to is my first workout, mm. which was I think the the third day we were there, which was a little bit of a test. Um, I'd done one or two runs on on a in a heat chamber mm. um, in London, um, and we tried to you know pick up the pace and and run a bit quicker and do a small workout, and and I was just I was all over the place. Um, it was horrific. Um, so the the heat chamber was was not a fun time. Um, but you know there was zero adaption at that point. So it was kind of looking at what a baseline looks like. Um, and then we did our first workout on uh, I think on the maybe the third day, maybe the fourth day when we were in Cyprus, um, and that was that was pretty horrific. Uh, you know, just uh, dizziness, lightheadedness, nausea. Mm. Um, you know, obviously we, we kind of stopped before it got to any risky point, but, you know, it gave us an idea of what it was like trying to perform in that sort of heat. Um, but then by, by one weekend, so I did my first long run, probably day six, day seven, you know, I think it was two hours, 15, maybe, um, it was steady. You know, we were running kind of three twenties, three thirties for the last 10 K. Um, and, and I felt great. Um, you know, so just within that short period, I, I noticed a, a huge change in adaption, um, and and that kind of fit with you know with with the data, um, and and you know what we understood from from adaption that you know uh, within five to six days you should be seeing some some fairly good adaption um, to the heat. So yeah, we I, I noticed a huge change, and and from there definitely some small improvements, um, and and workouts got better. Um, but I think that was also you know learning you know, nutrition and hydration beforehand and during and, and how to manage that correctly. So yeah, no, definitely, definitely saw improvements just massively within that first week. Yeah, no, it's very fascinating, isn't it? It's amazing how, mm. how the body can can adjust so quickly with, you know, I mean, you could probably do that without the science. Um, I mean, it's all about what your body would actually adapt to by itself without actually having like pre-calling and getting the, the science right with the nutrition and the hydration. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, just immersing yourself in the conditions, you know, yeah. you, you, you're going to adapt. Um, mm. But it was nice to see some numbers behind it too. Oh, of course. That's what it's all about, definitely. Mm. And also, mm. um, yeah, like the Aussies were doing and, and Julian, that was all about uh, getting data for, for Tokyo for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about the race. Um, how did it go? And uh, yeah, what were the hours leading into it? Starting at midnight, it would have been strange, you know, eating and sleeping patterns would have had to be adjusted. Did you adjust that leading into the race? I mean, there's so many little facets there to sort of go through. Yeah, so we, we spent another kind of two and a half weeks in Cyprus um, before. So we headed straight from Cyprus to Doha. Um, but, you know, it was it was late September at that point, so it was kind of cooling down. And, um, I mean, still so hard to replicate those conditions. You know, as soon as we landed and went for our first jog in, in Doha, um, you know, it was we thought we had been in the heat um, in, in Cyprus and we thought we were fairly well adapted and we got a, we got a shot. Um, you know, those first couple of nights. Um, but I think, you know, it was a, it was a smaller step up that was required, um, mm. as opposed to, you know, not having done that, that heat preparation earlier. So yeah, it was, it was, um, it was hot. 
and then you know we were we had been doing evening workouts um, trying to push them a bit later to, to get used to that midnight time but you know a big part of that for me was um, nutrition during the day um, what you ate and you know because we're just not used to <laughs> not used to working out at midnight so um, you know it was kind of cutting out fiber um, to kind of keep your guts under control and uh, things like that so yeah we we started as soon as we landed I think I had about five or six days um, in Doha pre-race so we were you know did a did a tune-up um, late at night we were kind of doing our runs about 10 p.m um, 10 30 p.m and just getting used to that because yeah more so in Doha it, it got super humid at night when the sun went down uh, temperature dropped a, a little bit as well which was good but yeah just getting used to that um, you know your, your shoes just they you know even in a, in a hotel room with AC and you just can't get them dry before your next run because they're just absolutely drenched it was um it was it was fairly gross but yeah no it was leading into the race yeah like I said we just we, we pushed uh the start time out to get used to that evening and and trying to sleep a bit more during the day I'm I'm not very good at napping um but yeah trying to to get get a few more you know 30 minute or an hour during the day just to to push that evening out but I mean that in terms of you know being awake there's so much adrenaline I, mm. I don't think that was much of an issue um did you, know, you get out come, to the stadium start to watch any any other events while you were there? Yeah, I, I got out once or twice. Um, it was, I guess, a, a bit of an ordeal in terms of you know getting the buses there and everything. So I, I didn't I didn't go too much just to try and uh, not wear myself out. Uh, I think I was still working at the time, so I, I had a I think I had a couple of stressful days at work uh, before before the race. But you know that was good. It kind of helped pass the time, which was um which is nice. Otherwise you're just sitting in a hotel room for a very long time beforehand. So, you know, I I went out and watched a couple of the Kiwis um, and their events before the race, which was nice. Yeah. Come, come race day. It was, um, you know, we, we had a a schedule all planned out food, everything, you know? Um, so we, we just followed that, um, got to the, you know, got to the race start, uh, where they had, we had booked in, um, they had a number of ice baths all set up, uh, so we went through our, you know, preparation, did our pre-calling, got out of the ice bar, put a nice vest on, um, and then, yeah, went and got our numbers, got our shoes on, got ready, and then straight out to the start line where we had about, you know, five to ten minutes to, to kind of jog around. Um, we, I mean, you know, straight out of an ice bath, you don't really do a warm-up, but, the, uh, yeah, for a race like that, there, there wasn't too much of a need in terms of um, warming up. You yeah, know, the body yeah. got hot quick <laughs> so when you're doing that pre-calling are you got your own separate little quarters or are you in there with other athletes and teams or uh so they, they had quite a good setup they had a separate tent with about maybe six different ice tubs um or you know kind of blow up bars um and our, our team had booked that so Caden and myself both both used that um so yeah I guess I was a bit surprised there wasn't that many people using it um I know the Australians were and yeah, I guess considering the conditions and you know the, there's there's plenty of good research out there um, mm. about pre-calling. I was I was a bit surprised there was less people doing it, um, but you know uh, everyone was everyone was different and yeah. um, and and had their preparation. Um, I guess you know it, a lot of people struggled in the heat. I struggled in the heat with cramp and, and a few other things. And you know there was a big big DNF rate in the women's and the men's i think there was more in the women's race but i mean they they had the i think they had the worst conditions of of all the endurance events 
they were first up you know we just within the within the, the championships the men we we got to you know look at the the results and kind of how the walkers handled it how the women handled it so you know within that time we even had learnings um going into the event but the the women just they they had it the hardest they went in you know they were the first to race in terms of the endurance the outdoor events um and i, I think they had the hottest conditions of all so um yeah they any of the women who finished that race kudos to them they did an amazing job yeah i can't remember what the numbers were but yeah it was a huge dropout all right let's let's go through the race so you obviously you had your pacing strategy you had um all your nutrition were you picking up ice along the way like um yeah so everyone kind of handled this one differently there were stations i think every must have been about every three and a half k so we had our team handing us you know bottles and nutrition and things like that some people were kind of picking up you know frozen scarves or frozen hats and you know little packs of ice and things like that i just picked up a bottle of morton um which was straight out of a a chiller so that was that was ice cold Mm. um and i just got a what i decided in terms of cooling is i just got a, a so i picked up two bottles i got one maybe 750 ml of ice cold water which i just dumped over my head and that's, I mean, you know, in terms of cooling, it's not going to do a lot in terms of, you know, your, your core temperature, but perceptually it, it really gives you a chill. So it, it was purely just a, a comfort perceptual thing, but that's that's what I, I did. So I, I grabbed one cold bottle of Morton, one cold bottle of water, and, you know, all of my fluids were, were coming from Morton. And yeah, that, that was that was our strategy. So that was every three and a half K. We, we went out, so Caden and I, the other Kiwi, we ran pretty much the first half together. Um, we went out again fairly conservatively, you know, knowing the heat, knowing what could happen in the second half. Um, so, you know, we were way back in maybe 55th or 60th through through halfway, um, maybe maybe mid-50s by halfway. Um, but, you know, people were starting to drop off. People were, you know, every 500 metres, there'd be another person on the side of the road having having pulled out. Um, so, yeah, we, we took that fairly conservative. I was feeling great at halfway, so I kind of pulled away from the the group that were that were with us and yes was was feeling great unfortunately about 30k and i started getting um i've I've never had this before and you know i I never had this in cyprus in any of our preparation but i started getting cramp in my hand and i was like oh this this is really strange um but i think it was you know i'd been holding a a bottle for for quite a while Mm. you know you hang on to your bottle when you grab it and you know, slowly drink it. So I, I was trying to trying to mobilize my hands, and then I got cramp in my other hand, and I was like, "Oh, this is really strange." Um, and yeah, long story short, kind of started to get cramp everywhere, um, hamstrings, calves, and alike. So you know, it, it kind of got to maybe seven k's to go, thirty five k mark, and I was just look, I you know, there was kind of daylight behind me, there was almost daylight in front of me, so. Um, I, I had no idea what position I was in, but you know, it came it came down to just getting to the finish line um, and and making sure I, I made it because you know there was a few you know times I almost stumbled, you know, calf cramps and things like that. So something I yeah strangely like I said, I, you know we we did we did runs in, in Cyprus in the heat where you know I was losing up to five liters of fluid. Never had any issues like this, you know, and and we were well prepared and you know, had all the nutrition and hydration strategy in place. But um, yeah, so that, that was uh, that was a bit frustrating on the day. Um, but like I said, I, I don't think I got, I think I'm, one person may have picked me up 
Um, so I might have lost one place, and, and I think I still gained a, a couple in that last 7K, um, but it just meant I really had to had to shut it down and, and make sure I got to the finish line. Um, and, yeah, came in 27th. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was I – was, in hindsight, I was happy with the result, with the placing. I know there, there could have been a bit more there, but you know, it's, again, it's 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 all learnings really, and and hopefully can put that towards um towards performance in Tokyo. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, pick up another black singlet in a completely different uh, scenario there. Mm. Did the did the sports science team look into like the cramping of that? Are they going to look into into that? Do they look at what sort of how much minerals you're taking in per hour, or just to sort of get some learnings from that, or? Yeah, definitely. And we've debriefed on it a couple of times um, and still kind of, you know, struggling to, to pinpoint what it is because we thought we had a really robust strategy in place. Um, but, you know, it, it will, um, I guess it will mean in, our, in the next build up and um, as we prepare for some some heat in, well, in Sapporo, which won't quite be as hot as Tokyo. Um, but, you know, we'll we'll be kind of testing a few more, few more things and parameters and kind of different strategies and um yeah going forward but no we've we've definitely debriefed with the team on that a couple of times but mm. yeah still struggling to get to the bottom of it really mate let's move on to the big one seville 210 first of yeah. all why why seville Let, let's talk about why you went to seville in feb uh seville is the time of year um so it's in it's in late february which is perfect because with the olympics in august um all of the that the spring marathon racing in europe so you know you what do you have? You've got Rotterdam, you've got London, uh, the big ones. You've also got some of the German ones, either Hamburg or Frankfurt. And they are all in late April or, or around around mm. April, which, you know, late April, you've got May, June, July. You've only really got three months, say, between London Marathon and the Olympics, which I just don't think is enough time to turn around and, you know, have a really solid preparation. So the I guess the, the plan was build up for, for Seville, um, which is end of end of Feb, and then if it goes well, I've got a really good block of time before the Olympics. Um, if it doesn't go well, then I had London or you know a, a similar April marathon as a backup. So you know instead of just leaving it all up to one shot, I kind of had had two opportunities lined up within time frame available. Did you ever but think Seville of um, is, Japan, I, I, like like BY or something uh, like that, or? Yeah, yeah, I did. I guess being being based in Europe, yeah, um, stick with the you know, I've I've got so many good marathons here on my doorstep, and yeah. I kind of prefer to keep travel to a minimum pre race. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, it, it's fantastic from Australia because you know the time difference is minimal, direct flights, and you know you can always guarantee some nice cool conditions in yeah. a lot of those Japanese marathons. Um, Seville is also just known to be to to have really stable weather. In, in the winter. So I've been down there a couple of times. I, I did some pacemaking the year before. So I, I knew the course and that was kind of all part of the plan was to go down and get some experience on the course, um, you know, figure out the conditions a little bit. Um, it, it's definitely a bit warmer. Obviously it's, uh, you know, right at the, the south of Spain and it's February. So we've, you know, we've spent the whole winter building up kind of, you know, in probably zero to five degrees for the majority of our morning sessions. So race day, you know, they typically have sunny, calm and, you know, 12 to 15 degrees. That's so, awesome. you know, you can you can almost guarantee that there. Yeah. So um, so that's kind of perfect. I, I actually flew back to New Zealand over the summer. First time I've been back for a couple of years. So we were back for Christmas. Um, so actually actually got a couple of, you know, nice warm, maybe three weeks of nice warm training um, in New Zealand. And then was back in London for about the, let's say, the five weeks um leading into seville um but yeah like i said 
before it was you know it, it was a it was a great build-up um it was unbroken it was consistent and you know even though that travel interruption in the middle yeah fortunately um yeah very blessed to say thing, things went well and things went smoothly and they had a really consistent consistent training block look it's 2 210 like um again you talk about your training block you hadn't made any changes again it was just the next sort of rung on the ladder to move up to like another marathon all that experience that you've got a bit more confidence but i mean two tens it's 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 a solid race so i'd, I'd like to sort of delve into uh, how do you think you you know you're able to step up to, to that level yeah so i guess with the olympic you know the, the automatic olympic qualifier being 211.30 ever since dusseldorf you know 12 months earlier i was fairly confident that that time was within my range and I knew I had, you know, another 18 months to, or a year to, to kind of build towards that before, before Doha, I, you know, just based on kind of key sessions and key markers, um, I was fairly confident I was in, you know, 2.11.30, maybe sub 2.12 shape. Um, but obviously going into the heat, you, you don't really get an opportunity to, um, to, to show that, um, and I guess that one of the main differences we made is my long runs. So I had probably, you know, let's say of the, the 12 weeks pre-race, I probably had nine weeks where I was running 38 to 40K on a Sunday. Um, and that was, you know, whereas previously I'd kind of done maybe two key long runs that were in that 40 to 42K range. That sort of, you know, in the ballpark of 40K just became my standard Sunday. And, and that was, it was never a jog, you know, it was, it was a steady run. It was a, you know, steady run with two by 5k at marathon pace at the end, or, you know, there was a block of 10 miles in the middle that were three fifteens or, you know, something like this. Mm. It was kind of, it, it was a workout, um, but that was, that was every Sundays. Week. Yeah. Well, yeah, essentially. So yep. probably yeah, eight, eight or nine of those, of yeah. those 12 weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I really focused on that being a key day, and then I have Monday and Tuesday, which are essentially just recovery days. So they're two easy runs, um, and then I, I get ready for a Wednesday Wednesday workout. So I, I think on the back of that, I gained a lot of strength, and then I I notice my my Wednesday workouts, which are kind of you know they'll be uh, a classic as kind of let's say five by three k off a one k float. Um, so, you know, high, high volume sessions and fairly continuous. So it'll always have a float. And I just noticed those progressing really well as well. You know, I, I think on, on the back of really putting the quality into those Sundays. So that, that was probably the biggest change. Um, the mileage bumped again. I think my biggest week was about 195. So, you know, there was a lot of weeks at kind of 185 to 190K. Um, and that just became, you know, again, that was just really on the back of consistently having that Sunday a bit longer and then getting a bit more quality on the Wednesdays. So it wasn't a conscious, you know, we need to bump the mileage again. Um, it just kind of naturally happened when, when I um, had, had a bit more, bit more quality in those two days. So yeah, I, I essentially just, my two workouts are Wednesday and, and Sunday. Um, sometimes I would, I would try and do a, a smaller speed session. So, you know, maybe, something light but like five by a k on a friday um, or some fart leg just to kind of keep that leg turnover going um but you know i was finding you know with such good quality on a wednesday i just wasn't ready to do those workouts on a friday so you know i'd, I'd do a medium long run or i'd do some some hill you know some short hills or, or something to keep that mechanics there but yeah what, what we found is we ended up just dropping the friday workout because you know wednesday and sunday were going really well um, and I just, I just wasn't recovered. So yeah, the, you know, the, 
when those two days got bigger, I needed more recovery, obviously. Um, but I think that was that was a good formula for me. No, definitely. And were you running with it with a group? You had a good little group to, to train with over there, or uh, not? Not really. Um, so East London, where I was, um, there's a few athletes around, but I guess definitely no groups, and uh, it wasn't a good time. Uh, Paul wasn't wasn't building up for for a race at that point, so I essentially did the build up on my own. And you know, when you're when you're fitting training around work hours, you know it you're very strict on you know what times you run and where you run because you know you've got to finish at work and you've got to be at work by you know this time so yeah fitting in with a group when you're when you're training around work hours is pretty difficult so yeah I, I mean unfortunately the majority of it was on my own um yeah which is hard um and and I, I kind of said to my my coach my wife afterwards I was like I, I don't think I can do that again you know a, a build up like that essentially solo um so yeah, that that's part of the reason for for a change down Teddington Way, where there's definitely more athletes around here, and yeah, try and try and use that and and, and get more support and, and and have a bit more of a group around me, um, which I'm I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely on those those Sunday runs when you've got those pace sections in it, doing those on your own is uh is pretty tough. <laughs> Even if you <laughs> yeah, had someone you know, on, on a bike to, to help give you some drinks or some nutrition or something, but uh, yeah, those ones on your own would just be tough. Hopefully, like you said, with the move and uh, surrounded by um some more runners, yeah, you might be able to get some good solid groups together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that there's there's definitely more guys uh, down this way, um, and and I've got a bit more flexibility with work now from working from home, so that's nice, and I can um I can work around that a bit more, you know, put work a little bit more around training rather than the other way around, which um which will be a nice change. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm kind of uh, just building back into into training after a few injury issues. Um, but yeah, no, it's um I'm I'm looking really looking forward to being here. Now let's talk about your uh, race nutrition. Obviously, you know, running from the track to into road marathon, nutrition becomes a big factor all of a sudden, something you need to put a lot of thought into. You've, you've had some really good um, marathons there. Is that something you've had to work on or is it something that hasn't really caused you too many problems? Or like what, what is your current formula for taking in the fluids and nutrition on race day? Uh, yeah, thankfully it's not something I've, I've, I've struggled with so far. Um, I, I take Morton and, and I haven't really changed that. So is that the drill, you know, the, the drink or it. the gel? Uh, the, the drink. Yeah. 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 I, I find the gels very, very thick and kind of hard to, you know, you've almost got to chew them rather than swallowing them. So, you know, I, I like getting some fluid and, and I just, to be honest, I, I haven't tried many things, but I haven't had any problems with Morton and I really like it. So yeah, I've, I've, I've stuck with it. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I take the 320, which is the, the more um, concentrated version. So, you know, o- over the marathon, uh, you don't take on much fluid at all. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just enough to kind of offset the offset a little bit of the loss. So you're not going into too much of a, you know, you, you get slightly more efficient, the, the more dehydrated you get. But, you know, obviously that only that only works to a certain point until the, the dehydration effect starts negatively, negatively impacting. As you dehydrate, you get a little bit lighter. So, you know, you technically you get a little bit more efficient. So, yeah, you know, you, you, you want to take on some some fluid um that's probably what's that maybe around a liter over the over the two hours but over two hours so um, you just pick up yeah, your 5k so that, bottles and, and drinking to how you feel or is there a certain amount that you want to drink um i essentially generally take two sachets um over the the length of the marathon um, okay. so that's about 80 grams an hour um rough mm. r- r- roughly uh yeah so that that's what i do and that that's uh 
two sachets with 500 mils each. So yeah, a, a liter over that time. So um, I generally try and take it all on um, and haven't, haven't had any issues getting it down. Um, in Seville, I, I actually missed about four of my bottles. Um, there was, we had a fairly big group and there was one or two guys who were just causing problems in the pack and, you know, racing to the front, grabbing a bottle. And yeah, there was one guy who was, he was obviously pacing a friend and he'd, he'd run to the front of the pack. So he'd kind of go around the outside, grab a bottle, stop, turn around and look for his friend and would just all crash into him. And we were just, I was losing my mind. Um, so yeah, this happened about three times and think i was getting fired up and giving him some words <laughs> then um then he, he he obviously stopped after that or, or either he, he dropped out and, and faded back but yeah it was you know i'm this four bottles i think uh one of one of my friends gave me some of his um so you know I, to be honest I, I didn't get anywhere near what we were planning but i think that you know with the morton and you, you're getting so many carbs and it's such an efficient fuel that um, even if you miss a few, it kind of it gives me a bit of confidence not to get too stressed out next time when I miss a bottle or two because you know I knew I, I only got a fraction of the bottles I I was planning to in Seville, but you know definitely didn't kind of go into any sort of deficit or run out of fuel. Yeah, that's um when when you're using something really good and really efficient, then um yeah you can be confident it's gonna go the distance. Right, yeah. So have you have you got a spot on the on the team for uh, Tokyo with that two ten? Uh, no, no, not yet. Um, so our, our teams won't be confirmed until, uh, to be honest, I don't actually know what the date is. It, it'll be, uh, you know, final announcements will wait till all qualifying's finished. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, each, each federation is kind of given a, I think they're, they're, they're given a, a quota and then they've kind of got to, you know, select the athletes around these, these, these quotas. So where, so where are you sitting on the, on the table of, of runners? Under the two eleven thirty. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I'm. There's currently two Kiwis with the time, uh, Zane Robertson and myself. We're, I mean, uh, absolutely expecting Jake Robertson to to get the time, um, but he's he's still got to line up and find a marathon, which is actually proving more difficult than um, than anything at the moment. And then you know there's others. Caden Caden Shield still hasn't competed yet, um, and there's another. Yeah, there's Dan Jones. He's another two sixteen guy. So, you know, there's there's still definitely more guys to race. Um, I mean, we we had three spots. Hopefully, um, we'll be able to fill them. Um, but you know, I'm I'm feeling relatively confident at the moment, having that time and and kind of you know being almost a minute and a half under the under the automatic standard, um, yeah. rather than you know just a couple of seconds under. So, yeah, no, I'm 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 feeling relatively confident. But you know. It's uh, it's not all all tied up and until qualifying closes and, and names are announced. Um, mm. so all going well. It's August next year. Is is the marathon? Is that right? Yes. Yep. So what would you do? Would you would you do another marathon before then? Uh, well, the plan was to be to be racing in Valencia. Uh, so that's in the beginning of December. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be racing there. I've just had I've, I've had a bit of a groin abductor um issue which is you know cropped up a few times over the summer um and i just wasn't getting in the, the work that i that i need to be ready to run valencia um mm. and kind of you know pushing and being a bit risky to, to make a start line at this point just you know there's no need so yeah i i won't be racing valencia um, which kind of means that i probably won't get a marathon before before the Olympics, um, mainly because all the majors have been moved until the autumn. Mm. Um, so, you know, October, um, 
uh, Seville has just been postponed until the autumn. Um, so yeah, actually, actually finding a, a race in Europe is going to be quite hard. Um, if I wanted to do something in the come, come springtime, I think Houston is the other one that's, that's also in February, um, that that's been postponed, I gather. Uh, yeah. So it's, you know, at the moment, thankfully, fortuitously, I've, I've got the qualifier, um, so I don't need to be kind of frantically trying to, to find a start line. Um, and, and at the moment, I just need to, you know, my goal for the end of the year is just to to get healthy um, and, and get back to being consistent because I think your consistency over the summer is just what I've, what I've really missed. Um, you know, I had a month or two off with this issue initially. Um, I did a lot of cycling. Um I had a great training block in St. Moritz. And then since then I've kind of, you know, issues flared up a couple of times. So um, yeah, we've, we've just stepped back, um, taking the pressure off, trying to get ready for a start line and just plan is to, to get healthy, get consistent and, um, and get that mileage back up again before, you know, January 1st, um, hopefully things are all on track and, and, you know, we have a really solid plan in place. Yeah, well, it's certainly um, a better position to be in. Um, with having that qualifier, I mean, it's, it'd be tough to be the runners, as you mentioned, that still have to try to find a marathon to uh, to qualify in. And I mean, you know, so many guys missed their, you know, their opportunity. Like everyone was lining up for a, for a London marathon in April this year. Um, you know, I knew guys, a lot of guys getting ready for Rotterdam and just, you know, all of those big, those big spring marathons, um, you know, so many, so many guys missed out and, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking for them, um, because, you know, like they'd, they'd committed just as much and, and, and put massive training blocks and, and big sacrifices in place to, to get ready for their, you know, for their Olympic qualifying opportunity. Um, so yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking to, for, for all those guys to miss out. I'm just yeah, hopefully everyone gets their, you know, gets their shot and um, and, and gets their opportunity come early 2021. Mm. Did Kay not have an option to to race in London that was just on a few weeks ago? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I, I think they prioritised um, all of the athletes who were that the elite field who was confirmed in April. Oh, okay, right. Um, so Caden wasn't in that field. So I, I yeah, I think they um they prioritised those athletes. There was definitely additions, but um it was all confirmed quite late. Um, so, you know, it was kind of only confirmed seven or eight weeks out. Um, so some, some athletes were kind of caught on the back foot a little bit. Um, but you know, the, the difficulty is with New Zealand at the moment, travel in and out is, is essentially off the cards. So, you know, just popping over to Europe for a, for a marathon, um, is, is just not as easy as it was. And, you know, there's two weeks of quarantine when you get back and you, you pay for that if you're, um, if you've just been traveling, if you're returning home permanently, you don't have to, to fork out for that expense. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, government guidelines are essentially no international travel is recommended. So yeah, it's, it's a difficult one for, for athletes there at the moment. It's, they're, they're in a, a bit of a tricky position. Um, mm. and, and that's, I guess, yeah, that, that was one of the reasons we, we decided to stay in Europe because, you know, it, even though you've, you've got a much worse situation with COVID and, in a much more difficult lockdown and, and more restrictions on life here um i think you know at the end of the day there is a little more flexibility and you know the ability to kind of get away to st moritz and um and you know there, there are still some racing opportunities going on here with elite fields you know with london and valencia and, and, and things like that so that's i guess one of the reasonings we um we had for staying you spent a bit of time over the Netherlands racing and, and living. What was, was that to do with a work opportunity and a new place to live and train or? 
yeah, so we, uh, my wife and I, probably close to five years ago now, um, we headed to Europe. We kind of had the intention of um, not going to London. Um, just we knew what London life was like, and you know, we, we knew a lot of people there, um, but we wanted to do something different. Um, and I love the Netherlands. Um, it's a fantastic country. They they have an amazing um, kind of quality of life, and um, and you know, so we we found um, we we went over without jobs. Um, we found jobs relatively quickly, um, and yeah, we we loved it. It's uh, it's an amazing place, um, an amazing country, um, and yeah, loved it. They they have a fantastic racing scene as well. So they have some not so many track races a lot of the track racing you know there's a big scene in kind of belgium um but they have some great road racing um so you know if you, you look back at the, the history of of all the road world records they've all been held in the netherlands at some point so you, you've got a couple of the, the big athlete management agencies um are dutch um so you know kipchoge's manager bekele um they're all part of a, a, a dutch agency called global sports um, so, you know, they, they can bring a lot of those top guys and, and race locally in the Netherlands and set up really good opportunities. Yeah, they, I, I love the, the, the road racing scene, you know, just about every weekend you could find a sub 30 minute 10 K and, you know, you can make a bit of cash on the side and it's, it's fun. And, um, yeah, so all of, you know, a lot of Scandinavian, German, French, Italian athletes, they all, I guess around the Benelux area, um, they all head to the Netherlands um, for the road racing, you know, the spring and autumn road seasons. So, yeah, that, that was fun. That was one reason to be there. But also just to, I guess, to, to head to Europe to, to be over here. You know, I'd, I'd previously travelled, you know, every year to the to Europe or to the US to, to do blocks of racing. And, you know, that's expensive and I take big chunks of time off work. Whereas, you know, when, you're, when I'm here, it's just, you know, it's easy to get there, travel on a Friday, race on a Saturday or Sunday, and then back to work on Monday. So, you know, it was it was partly for that opportunity, but also just to, to live in Europe and, and kind of some, some additional work opportunities over here as well. So between now and, uh, and Tokyo, obviously uh, the next couple of months is, is to getting healthy again and then, um, you know, getting that strength back into the legs. Will you do any shorter races or it'll just be all fully focused on that on that marathon uh yeah no the, the goal is to to do a bit more racing i mean it, it's going to be more a matter of what's available really but you know even over the summer here this year um, we we saw quite a bit of racing um go ahead you know under the conditions so i'm i'm expect I'm, I'm fully expecting there'll be more road racing you know and come the spring 2021 it'll be quite nice to to not focus on a marathon i guess i haven't been able to do much other racing in terms of distances because i've you know i've, I've run two marathons a year and you know, all of your purpose is, is is focused around those so i'm definitely going to line up one or two half marathons um all going to plan um and and have a crack at a, at a good time there um and yeah maybe maybe some 10ks on the road or, or similar just to touch back into that um into that distance again which is, has just been neglected a little bit because i've you know it's been kind of chasing one qualifier after another where i've had to had to line up and race marathons whereas now I've, I've got the opportunity to step back and, and do some more some more and shorter races which will be fun I'm, I'm hoping now let's talk about injuries have, is there anything that uh in particular that they have seen um let's talk about the physios or whatever it might be they feel you need to fix up or um is there any weaknesses that they say this is leading to this or this is leading to that or is it all those injuries haven't really been consistent with one sort of deficiency or and is strength and conditioning something you've actually had to put a lot more effort into? One for the strength of the marathon running, and two to to minimise the 
the risk of these injuries coming back or, or getting more? Uh, yeah, I mean, early, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, like I said, I had a couple of stress fractures and kind of uh, more bone-related issues, um, whereas the last couple of years, um, you know, thankfully I've had a really good um, a good run without too many injuries, but I've had a couple of tendon issues, um, which I guess are, are actually more difficult in terms of recovery because, you know, a stress fracture is fairly textbook in terms of its recovery and you know as long as you look after it um whereas you know tendons take a lot of rehab um you know there's, there's not really any fixed time frame on how long they can take so yeah that that's been a, um, a bit of a learning curve in terms of dealing with those i've probably had uh maybe two or three kind of um you know hamstring and an abductor issue um so yeah no strength snc is definitely a, a big part of my training at the moment um it probably only has been for about the last kind of two or three years um, where I've really focused on it. But, you know, fitting two sessions in the gym around, you know, 185, 190K and work is, it's hard. Um, and, you know, gym is kind of the first thing to drop out when you're tired and you're stressed and you just don't have time for it. And, you know, you need to prioritize sleep over a gym session. Um, that's, um, I think having having the Wednesdays off for me was a big change because, you know, previously it would kind of be, 35Ks with a workout in the morning, nine hours at work, and then a jog and gym in the evening, and then going to bed. And that just really, you know, that, that would put me on the back foot till the end of the week when then I spend the whole weekend recovering. So, you know, having having that day off and having the time to focus and, and recover properly um, has been really beneficial and, and allowed me to, you know, really focus on that gym work um, a lot. So, you know, it, I mean, your SNC is always adapting to, to kind of what you're dealing with at the time and, you know, what you might be rehabbing from or, um, you know, an issue that's been hanging around. So, you know, we're, we're constantly kind of tweaking the, the strength and conditioning around, um, you know, the, the current situation and, and what we might be, you know, any niggles you might be balancing or dealing with. Um, but I, I do a fairly, you know, on the whole, I do a fairly basic, you know, strength routine. I kind of don't tailor it, um, you know, periodize it too much. It's it's just a fairly, you know, uh, a bit of lifting, um, really good core and single leg stability type of routine. All right. Let's think um, next year, Olympics goes ahead. You go to the marathon. You have an awesome race. That's going to happen. After that, <laughs> good. the following like year, all right, 2022, it's pretty exciting. Uh, Eugene, Oregon, the uh, the world champs. Is that something you'd like to, you know, pick up another black singlet for and, and race over there? I mean, that'd be an awesome place to to be part of uh, of a meet over there. Yeah, well, I mean, amazing for for most track runners because they're going to have well for for anyone in the Commonwealth. Um, you've got the Commonwealth Games as well in Birmingham, uh, so. The difficulty for a marathoner is you can really only pick one of those, um, whether it's World Champs in, in Eugene or Commonwealth Games in, in Birmingham. So, yeah, I think they've, uh, for some of the European, maybe it's primarily just the British athletes, they essentially have World Champs, Europeans and Com Games. Um, I think they're all lining up. And, and yeah, there's only a couple of countries that will fall into that bracket of all three. I, I think for me, I, I'd probably prefer Birmingham, um, just because I haven't I haven't competed at Com Games. Sure. Um, yeah. So you know, it, Eugene would be amazing. You know, it's 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 a it's a track and field town, um, and it would be amazing to race there. But I, I think I'd be leaning towards Birmingham at this stage. Just you know, um, I've had one World Champs in Doha, 
fingers crossed the Olympics and and to be able to tick off the Commonwealth Games as well would be would be fantastic. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, so what uh, what month of the year would Birmingham be? Oh, I'd have to have a look at this. I, I think they've I think they've got World Champs a little bit earlier. Um, and then Birmingham is, is after, so the World Champs may be I've got Worlds, July-ish. I've got Worlds in July, yeah. Yeah, Worlds July. I think I think Com Games might be August, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd need to check up on that one. It's um, yeah, okay. it's a bit far in the future to be um to be yeah <laughs> pinning pinning dates down at the moment. Yeah, no, that that would be a nice triple black. Yeah, yeah, Worlds, Coms, and uh, Olympics, mate. That would be fantastic, mate. You got yourself obviously. Uh, Going to get a good group of runners over there around Bushy Park. Are we ever going to see you back home in New Zealand, mate? Sort of chasing sheep around the paddocks in gumboots, or like what's what's the long term future? You can't you can't be away from home forever. No, no. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I guess with the Olympics being pushed out a year and then kind of COVID throwing curveball, it's um it, it's changed up our plans a little bit. Um, but I mean, New Zealand's always home. Um, mm. so now we'll we'll definitely be back. Uh, when that is. I mean, your guess is as good as mine at the moment. To be honest, mm, mm. <laughs> it's uh, it's something we try and reassess every every now and then. But we, um, yeah, I mean, you know, at the moment, um, Olympics is 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 the goal. We just need to get that out of the way, um, and then kind of you know see where we are from there. Um, I mean, we we love living in Europe. It's fantastic. I'd, I'd love to live back on on the on the continent again. Um, it's yeah, just I mean, the the travel and the lifestyle is is amazing. Um, and, and we love it and we love exploring Europe. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know if we're quite finished here yet. Um, but until we know we're in Europe till after the Olympics and from there we'll, um, we'll, we'll make some more decisions going forward. But New Zealand's always, it, it'll always be home. So um, it will be home again. I think um, my mum will be pretty happy to, I have to remind her that every now and then. <laughs> sure, sure. Definitely. Um yeah, there's some pretty awesome trail races over there too, mate. So when you get sort of slow like the rest of us, you can uh, jump in and run some mountains with us. Is that something you'd ever consider <laughs> doing? You know, the ultra trails around New Zealand. Uh, I, I've, I've, uh, I, I don't think I've ever had too much of an inkling heading that way. You know, uh, I, was, I was listening to a podcast on with Jonathan Wyatt, just absolute Kiwi legend. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, every discipline possible. No, I'm, I'm I mean, the, I think that the trail running would be fun. Any of the the real mountain stuff is is probably definitely out of my wheelhouse. Um, I, you know, lived in the Netherlands for two and a half years, and I lived in East London for another two and a half years, and those are both very flat places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I used to have to catch the train and head up, up north of London to a, to a place called Epping Forest to run any hills. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think um, I'll, I'll head to the mountains, but, you know, some trail stuff would be fun. Um, and I think that'll be definitely more down the uh, more of the enjoyable end of my career rather than the, um, the, the highly competitive end at the moment, which hopefully... Uh, can focus on and run a bit faster over yeah yeah no i, I was thinking more in uh into the old years mate just yeah i mean there, there's some fantastic events out there tarawera mm. um you know down in the south island new zealand there's some really iconic races mm. um so no I'd, I'd, I'd love to have it have a go at a few of those but i think i'll um, think i'll i'll get the i'll keep it risk-free and stick on the roads for the for the meantime probably heard i'm i'm, I'm not the most robust runner out so um <laughs> <laughs> too much uh too much twisting and turning is, is probably not the best thing for me at the moment on the other end it might uh, might strengthen you up a little bit you know what i mean all that movement, that lateral movement. yeah yeah yeah. 
Hicksy, really appreciate giving us your time today, mate. Um, it's a great story. Obviously, some fantastic chapters coming. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, seeing how how your prep goes and and seeing you pull on that black singlet uh, over there at the Olympics. We're all hoping as much as you that Olympics goes ahead, but I think it's looking more promising than ever. So I'm fingers crossed that it is going to go ahead, mate. And uh, yeah, hopefully you get on top of those injuries, get healthy again, get that prep going, get some good racing, get that speed back in the legs and go over there to Tokyo and just crush it, mate. So um, yeah, all the best with that, mate. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate appreciate having the chat and um and having the time to reminisce on a few um a few few races and um and events when the years gone by. But yeah, um like you said, absolutely. If anyone's going to get it right, I I think we can trust the the Japanese organising committee to um to make it happen. So yeah, I've, I've got faith in them and um yeah, still still crossing my fingers in the background. Yeah, and it's I think it's going to be more special than ever just because of of the delay in the COVID whole thing. I think it'll be something really, really special. Um, so, yeah, like I said, mate, looking forward to seeing you there. Maybe rubbing shoulders with a couple of Aussies and uh, see what happens at the end there, mate. But, uh, maybe we'll see you toe the line back here in Oz, you know, soon too. I see that um, Zatapeg's yeah. um, going to be on in January, so at least that's going to go ahead, so that's good. So, uh, yeah, a lot no, of... It's, it's great to see some races kicking off again. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, we're all, you know, keen as... Um, to, to get some racing back over here we've been pretty lucky here in the act we've had a, a few races but um thank you so much again hixie um i'm gonna go to bed mate sunday long run in the morning mate the boys will go out there and probably crush me so um i better get to bed mate. <laughs> <laughs> good work good on you and thanks right. again for the chat thank you mate bye mate